Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome. Welcome once again to the first show of the league, the week, the league. Oh, we're off to a flyer. The, f- the first show of the league and possibly the last show of the week. It's all happening. We're on fire. Fire. Much to get through. Alright, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Daily Boogie Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there. Hope you've had a lovely day. Hope you had a lovely week. I certainly have. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for sharing. Pour yourself a drink. Get yourself a snack. Hopefully you can stick around for the next hour or so. Probably more than an hour. Probably more. Just letting you know. So many wonderful names in the chat. So great to see you. Better late than never. Better late than never. I feel like we're really pushing shit uphill these days. <laughs> whenever I find a good time, whenever things fall into a groove and we start rocking and rolling, like we have done over the last few weeks, life gets in the way. Life has a habit of getting in the way. <laughs> you know, people that say better late than never, thanks for your patience, by the way. I know I'm, I'm only 45 minutes late. People who say better late than never, do they really mean it? Do they really mean it? Because sometimes better late than never, I don't think it necessarily makes much sense. If you're late to, say, a funeral or a wedding, maybe it's better off you don't go because you don't want to be walking into that church or that funeral home 20 minutes into the eulogy. You know what I mean? Everybody looks at you. You don't want to be that guy. So maybe never is better than late. But we're here. And perhaps you're thinking never would have been better than late anyway. So <laughs> It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got so much to get through. I hope you've poured yourself a drink. You thought I was standing you up. I would never stand you up. Here's a little tip though. Something I learned along the way. And this is... This is mainly for the lads out there. I guess it could work too for the ladies. It's now turned into a late night dating show. Do not take my advice on dating. But what I can give you is solid advice on how to lie to people. (laughs) So if you go out on, if you organize a date with a young lady or a young man and the opposite number stands you up, here's what you want to do. So you, you you agree to meet at a restaurant or something at nine o'clock. Next time you... And they, the other person doesn't show up. Next time you see that person, don't say to them, oh my God, how could you stand me up? You son of a bitch. That was horrible. How dare you? Don't you know who I am? Don't, don't do any of that. What you want to do is next time you see that person, go right up to them immediately and go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I couldn't make it. 
I, I didn't want to stand you up. I'll probably never get another chance, but I'm so sorry I didn't make it to the date. Can you ever forgive me? And then watch the other person go, oh, well, yeah, no, that's that's fine. You know, I wasn't waiting too long. Seldom will they admit that they actually stood you up. So you want to get in there first. I'm so sorry for standing you up. Can you ever forgive me? Can you give me another chance? You'll be surprised. <laughs> Next time, I'll be like, oh, okay. This guy's not a pushover. And then you win. And then you win. And then, you know, a month, about a month after you've started dating them, then you tell them what you did. And they'll laugh. And that's how wonderful stories begin. There you go. <laughs> See? It was worth the wait. Better late than never. Better late than never. Thanks for joining us. Um, look, in a couple of weeks, I want to thank you, uh, thank the supporters so much, the people who support this show on Patreon. And if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Ah, see what I did there? Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to stand me up and then later lie about it, you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. So to the supporters and stuff, we're almost through the dark days of not getting any sleep, walls, houses getting demolished, deliveries coming in the middle of the day, not being able to broadcast. Just a little bit more, and then we'll be right back to where we should be. Four days a week, absolutely rocking and rolling. So, I appreciate you. The best audience in broadcasting, the best audience in live streaming that I cannot show up for a week and then when I say I'm going to show up, show up 45 minutes late and you still drop in to say hello. So thank you very much. <laughs> Clearly Clever says, you're a puss if you end up dating someone that stood you up. Yeah, but what if it's really top tier clunge, mate? What if it's top tier clunge? What if that's the way to get the hand back? What if that's the way to shift the power dynamic? What if the woman is you know, used to being able to walk all over men and doing whatever she wants. And then the first, she thinks that she's just standing people up. She's she's running free. She doesn't care. She controls because she's got men all over her. Then you became you become the guy who stood her up. And then all of a sudden, the power dynamics have shifted. You see what I'm saying here? Consider the clunge. Okay, that's enough of that. That's enough of that garbage. We've got so much to get through. Um... I do want to touch on a little bit of Brexit. We will go overseas. Does anybody know an annoying shite named Owen Jones? Well, you're going to get to know him. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to Owen Jones. He's a guy who writes for The Guardian. Uh, very, very, uh, would you say, passive-aggressive lefty in the media is a nice way of putting it. He went on a little tour of a Brexit rally before the vote, before the European elections. And you won't be surprised with the conclusions that he came up with. So I'm going to introduce you to Owen Jones tonight. We're also going to do a little bit of Muller. I also have some fantastic, wonderful, weird stories from around the web. Some shit that will... I mean, you've probably you've probably been sitting back all day thinking about the Muller report and Russia and Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un or even climate change. And you've probably been thinking that's the most important thing going on. But I'm here to tell you, nay... Nay, that is not the most important thing going on. The most important thing going on is the thing that you least suspect. 
and I have some wonderful things. We're going to hear from Nana Nancy. Nana Nancy gave a little speech today. Oh, God, not the crybaby. <laughs> yes, the crybaby. We are doing the crybaby. We're going to hear from Nana Nancy. We're going to play some clips from around the place. So sit back, pour yourself a drink, make yourself a snack. Oh, see, I'm all over the shop. <laughs> we should have fun tonight. Anything could happen. I'm feeling like a loose cannon, so... Let's rock and roll. Let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the Shredder. Time for the Shredder. So with all the news today, Robert Mueller coming out and making a statement, a very predictable statement, a very predictable statement. It was the lifetime, it was the career bureaucrat equivalent of, can I go home now? That's what it was. Robert Mueller today was a five-year-old boy who has been taken to a store that he doesn't want to be at. And his, his mother has been holding his hand and walking her around the store. Behave yourself, Robert. Okay. Behave yourself. Stop Stop touching those dresses. You shouldn't be looking into those Russian things. Okay. Can I have... No, we don't have enough money for that. You've already spent enough of my money. Okay. Okay, sorry, Mum. And then after about two years of standing in this store called Collusion, Robert Muller went up in front of his mother and said, Mum, can I please go home now? Have we had enough? Please, Mum, please, can I go home, please? That's what it was. And it was brutal. It was intense and brutal and awkward. The awkwardness was palpable. You could taste it. And awkwardness tastes something like a combination of orange rind and sweaty gym sock. You know what I mean? Like, ugh, ugh. It's really awkward. I don't like that. That's disgusting. So he went up in front and said, look, it's over. It's done. Ironically... This led to the Democrats and the corporate press saying, it ain't over. Hey now, hey now, don't dream it's over. It ain't over, baby. It's not over until we hear from Robert Mueller, I tells you, dag nabbit, goddammit. Robert Mueller comes out and says, it's over. Democrats look at each other for a second and go, nah, nah, it ain't over. It ain't over, baby. Didn't you hear what he said? He said we should investigate. He said we should double down. He said we should go twice as hard. But he also said I consider it over and any testimony is only going to be relating to what he wrote in the dossier in the Mueller report and the Mueller report should speak for itself. Shut up, you fascist. <laughs> he didn't you did, didn't you read the subtext to what he said? He wants Congress to take this investigation up and start bringing people in and continue the story for the next 2 years. That's what I heard. Did you hear something else? It must be one of those dog whistles again. Another one of those dog whistles. You know when people talk about politicians making dog whistles and only apparently the racists and the journalists can hear it? What was that? Did he just did, did he just say let's attack all the black people? No, I th I thought he heard I thought I heard Big Mac and fries. What did you hear? I I heard he hates Mexicans. Wow, isn't that the darndest thing? Isn't that interesting? So he came out and said it's over. The Democrats said it's not over. But 
recently we have been treated, haven't we, to the Democrats and the corporate press demanding justice. You know, we just want to get to the bottom of it. And they've been very upset, haven't they, with Donald Trump fighting against subpoenas. How dare he? People should come in and sit down in front of the House members and be questioned because we demand the truth. We demand the truth. The people demand the truth. So in the tradition of demanding truth, Trump dossier author won't cooperate with DOJ investigation into Origins or Russia probe. Report. There he is. (laughs) The people demand the truth. The DOJ wants to investigate how the Russia report began. The guy who wrote the dossier, which then started the Russia report. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not going to be talking to anybody. Christopher Steele, otherwise known as Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele. The former British spy who produced a salacious and controversial dossier describing alleged links between President Donald Trump and Russia will not cooperate with the US Department of Justice's review into the origins of investigations into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election, Reuters reported Tuesday. Steele has reportedly refused to answer questions from US Attorney John Durham, who was named by Attorney General William Barr, William Barr, to examine the various counterintelligence decisions made by the Justice Department and FBI leading up to the launch of the nearly two-year special counsel investigation into alleged collusion between Trump's campaign and Russia and potential obstruction of justice by Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, that is by far the longest sentence you will read today. One sentence. Would a comma kill you? Would a full stop kill you? Can we throw a period in, please? You do not have one whole paragraph as one sentence. You utter hacks. The former British spy has reportedly collaborated with the US government in the past. Ooh. It's an unfortunate word to use. Including with the FBI on issues including corruption within the FIFA soccer organization. He was hired in 2016 by Fusion GPS, a Washington-based private investigations firm, to compile research on behalf of the Democrat National Committee and Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. You see, they're not they're not even hiding it anymore. Yes, he was hired by Fusion GPS. Yes, he was hired by a private investigations firm to compile research for the Democratic National Committee. And yes, this research was used in starting the investigation into Trump and Russia collusion. This opposition research is what started the investigation. And so now we have the Department of Justice saying, well, we want to investigate how this investigation started. And the guy who wrote the document that essentially began, essentially started the res- the investigation, essentially kicked it off, refuses to answer questions. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Justice will be done. The White House and Republicans have long argued that the Steele dossier, as well as what they claim to be anti-Trump bias within the Justice Department and FBI, what they claim to be anti-Trump bias, Now, it's pretty obvious that there was anti-Trump bias. The problem is that bias is not a crime. You know, you can't fire somebody for being biased. You can, however, fire somebody for making things up, putting it in documents, and then using that as state's evidence to begin uh, arguably the largest, most wide-ranging investigation into a presidential candidate of all time. 
That's what you can charge people for. You can't charge them for bias and alleged bias, granted. But did that bias then cause those people to do unethical and potentially illegal things in order to start investigations into the president? Perhaps. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to answer questions. Just an idea. Just a theory I'm floating. Just a theory I'm putting out there. Spurred by federal investigations into the president's links to Russia during the 2016 election, Trump and his allies have falsely claimed that the dossier was used by law enforcement agencies to improperly obtain a secret search warrant to monitor the, communi- monitor the communications of former Trump campaign Carter H. They're falsely claimed. They're making it up. They're just making it up. No, we had lots of... There was a galaxy of information. There was a galaxy of evidence. Remember that? Former FBI James Comey, former FBI James Comey, rejected that assertion last year when he testified before Congress. He said the investigation into Russian interference was opened after law enforcement officials learned another Trump campaign advisor, George Papadopoulos, had been told the Russians had dirt on the Clinton on Clinton in the form of stolen emails. Of course, there is no evidence for this whatsoever. George Papadopoulos directly denies this. Trump has given Barr full authority to declassify and publicly disclose information about the origins of the investigation, which he has repeatedly dismissed as a hoax. Last week, he ordered the US intelligence community to cooperate with Durham's review. See, the beautiful part about all this is, if what Donald Trump says is wrong, if it's all just a conspiracy, if the Republicans have got this so wrong it's a laughable joke, then why the hell are you opposing people from looking into how it started? Wouldn't you want that information out there? See, this is basic shit. The very fact that people are fighting an investigation into how this Russia thing started should be reason enough to suspect that they do not really believe that Trump and the GOP are wrong. Because if it was all a conspiracy, and if there were legitimate reasons for the Russia investigation starting, then of course you would want to investigate it. Of course you would want that information out there. You would say, William, here's the keys. Help yourself to the filing cabinet. Go through all the documentation you want. Here you go. What can I? How can I help you? Can I get you some phone records? Can I get you some emails? Is there anything else you need? Anything you want, Mr. Barr, we will provide because this was 100% above board, legitimate, the start of the Russia investigation, nothing to worry about. Why would you do anything else? Right? But they talk, they talk with, they, they speak with forked tongues and they talk out of both sides of their mouth. Oh, well, Donald Trump and those, those weird conspiracy theorists on the internet and Donald Trump and the GOP, they have a conspiracy theory that the Russia investigation was started under false pretenses. And this is, this is why there must not be an investigation of how the Russia investigation started under any circumstances. <laughs> of course. <laughs> there you have it. Trump dossier author won't cooperate with DOJ investigation into origins or Russia probe report. Obviously because there's nothing to see here. Go back to bed. Please move along. What the hell are you talking about? Everything is fine. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Now you face... The Shredder. Let's go over to the old dart. Britain. Nigel Farage. 
Nigel Farage. Have the main political parties blown it for good? Is Farage right? This comes from Sky News. The Brexit Party leader believes the main parties have blown it for good with supporters after failing to deliver their pleasures. Nigel Farage has done it again, gifted a uh, victory in the EU elections by the Tories' failure to deliver Brexit. His newborn Brexit party may just be six weeks old, but it has managed to top the polls and secure 29 MEPs or Ministers of European Parliament. The former UKIP leader with a new team and well-worn Brexit betrayal battle cry, Mr Farage was here to settle old scores with political rivals as he launched attacks on a political establishment no longer fit for purpose. I put it to him that he does that he and his Brexit party will be irrelevant and if the if and when the Tories do deliver Brexit, he was having none of it. If the Tories deliver Brexit, he asks, turning to his new MEPs and laughing. Is that the same as the 108 times Theresa May said we're leaving on 29 March with or without a deal? Did that happen? The truth of this is the Conservative Party are bitterly divided. What this EU election showed is that voters are too, and the grand coalition of the two main parties trying to accommodate a wide range of views has been comprehensively rejected by the electorate for now. Uh, over in the Discord, UK Neil shared an, an incredible article, a great little read, that basically did the mathematics, ran the maths, ran the numbers on what a European-style election would mean if those numbers were carried across to a general election in the UK. And what it found was that Nigel Farage would become the Prime Minister and have a 200-seat majority. <laughs> he would wipe the floor with everybody if the same voting trends from the European elections were carried over into the local UK elections. Now, nobody's suggesting that the that, that would actually happen. People vote for different reasons in the European elections than they do in the local elections, and people run different campaigns, and more people vote in the local elections than they do in the European elections and so on and so forth. But it was uh, it was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser, I suspect, for a lot of people in both the Tories and the Labour parties in the UK, that a party that was started six weeks ago with very minimal funding was able to dominate both of their campaigns in the European elections and essentially wipe the floor with them. And they, they really had no right to be there. At all. It was an incredible effort by Nigel and the gang. So let's get to Owen Jones. Now, my UK comrades probably already know who Owen, Owen Jones is. He's a guy who writes for The Guardian. He goes on those BBC panel shows. He's the token lefty on a lot of these panel shows. A lot of people find him quite annoying, but I'm going to let you make your own mind up. I'm not going to forecast this in any way, shape, or form. So I just want to show you what a lefty Guardian journalist who goes on BBC panel shows to talk about fascism and white privilege, what he thinks of a Brexit rally when he goes to one. Let's have a look. So in my natural habitat, a Brexit party rally, uh, I've already been booed. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the... Um, he's already annoying, isn't he? See, I'm somebody that gives people the benefit of the doubt. And a lot of people that other people find annoying, I actually quite like them, you know? I like cockiness. I like arrogance. I like people with these, with these kinds of pop and, uh, personality traits. <laughs> but this guy, I don't think this guy falls into that category. 
It's the whole, um, well, I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm here at a Brexit rally and I've already been booed. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, Owen, I can imagine. I can imagine why that might be the case, Mr. Jones. <laughs> Results yet are of the European elections, which were never supposed to happen, but all the polling never is pretty consistent to. that the Brexit party, a party which Nigel Farage fronts, which didn't exist until a few months ago, is set to top it. Yep. Welcome to the Brexit party. So this, this was obviously a few days before the European election vote. So imagine Owen Jones to steal a line from PJW. Imagine my shock. Imagine how bad it would have been for Owen the day after the European election vote. Like, oh, God. Oh, God. Can we take that hit piece down that I put up, please? I want to find out what is driving this, uh, where this is going, and what does this mean for the future of this country? Let's go a bit further down because we're going to miss people. Why do you think it's a Tuesday night? I want to make a Well, it's, uh, I, think, um, I think that the politicians have been shown for who... Now, the thing is with these kinds of interviews, of course, it's just like... Um, it's just like people who do those campus reform videos. You're going to, you know, if you're trying to make the left look bad, you would go to Berkeley campus and start asking people things about abortion and free speech, right? So, of course, you have to take it with a grain of, uh, grain of salt. Owen Jones and the team are going to be specifically looking for people that they can portray in a negative way in the lead up to a European election in regards to the Brexit party. <laughs> Pinochet over on YouTube says, this is a fantastic analogy. Owen Jones is the equivalent of a spoiled 12-year-old girl trapped in the body of, well, a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Pinochet. But look at this guy with the Make America Great Again hat on. In in London. In the UK. See, I think that's a little bit... I think that's a wee bit silly. I know why he's doing it, but... That's like a beacon. That's like a beacon to retardation there. Owen Jones hones in on that thing, zeroes in on that red hat. It's a Guardian microphone magnet, that hat. They are, really. I think um, they're very dishonest. I think they've done a terrible job negotiating Brexit. Farage is, I think he speaks truth, a lot of truth. And I think I think a lot of people like him, as you can see. No, no, sorry. no what's that? The you are the fakest news, the Guardian. The Guardian. on Twitter. Um, you're probably a lovely guy. Yeah, I am a lovely guy. So, I've always been nice to you. Well, now I'm here to hear. And, and all of a sudden, you've blocked me. And I'm really just... I've always been nice to you, and all of a sudden, you blocked me. You blocked me. I guess Owen must be one of these blockers. One of these Twitter blockers. Like, like this fucking, this everyday peasant going up to Owen Jones. Like, I wouldn't probably wouldn't know this guy from a bar of soap. And this guy goes, you know, Owen, I've always been very nice to you. It's like, who the, what the fuck, Dad? <laughs> what are you doing here, Dad? <laughs> I've always been very nice to you, Owen, and then you go and block me. That's not very fair, is it? Even even when the Brits are angry, they're still being rather polite. You know? I've always been very nice to you, you prick. 
disappointing because I, I go outside my echo chamber. Well, I'm here. I'm, yeah? I'm, I'm oh, in my echo yeah. chamber. Yeah. So I know you are. No, I respected you for that. Well, we, we're, we're here together now. Yeah. We're not in my echo chamber. Yeah. So why why are you here? Because I want this country out of the European Union. Just having a few for the Guardian about why people are here. Yep. Democracy, mate. When you're on um, question time, I fast forward you. Oh. Oh. I know what you're going to say. I want to. Passive-aggressive, snippy little woman, isn't she? <laughs> When you're on question time, I fast forward you because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Big smile. That's the woman that you do the um, I'm sorry to stand you up trick to. That kind of chick. Uh, here a um, a rally in live. I watched a few on the on the on the Twitter. And I want to see the one Twitter. live with Nigel and all the MEPs. I want to just make a make the Twitter. <laughs> Look at the guy in the background. <laughs> hey, fuck you, Mr. Jones. Some swaggering Londoner. Hey, Jones! Hey, Jones, why don't you go back home, you, you fucking bastard? What are you doing here, son? What are you doing here, lad? Step off, lad. You got no place being here. You're fake news, lad. <laughs> a judgment. So, were you a Tory before? Um, I suppose I have been, but I've never really been a, a sort of a into politics. I've just sort of ticked the box. But now I've got really into it. Whether or not... Um, you know, Brexit goes through or it doesn't, it's carrying the country. But if we had a second referendum, I think we'd be even more divided, a bit like we were in the Civil War in the 1600s. That's what worries me. That's what worries me. Why are you here? Because I wanted to see Nigel Farage in action. You a big fan? A big fan. See, this guy, this guy is, to me, like, as a foreigner, as a non-Englishman, this guy is your stereotypical conservative Tory voter. The suit that's way too big, like the oversized suit, and the very polite demeanor and the nervousness, like, yes, well, I'm a very big fan of Nigel Farage. Very big fan. So Owen, I, I assume, feels comfortable with this man. What do you like about him? That he might actually deliver Brexit. How? He does, he's not in Parliament. It doesn't matter. It's the mood right. that people want to leave slowly. Right. But we will leave. We should be as free as the 13 colonies of the United States of America. Shout out to Ameribros. History. Thank you. No. Okay, fly me. See ya. Hi, mate. Hi, yeah. somewhere before. That's, I'm Owen. I'm from the Guardian. Just... Oh, not the Guardian. Oh, sorry about that. So, not, not lots of people wanting to chat. Not so keen. Have I seen you somewhere before? Yes, I'm from the Guardian. Oh, not the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> don't you see my american brothers and sisters don't you see how much nicer this is in the uk there there aren't you know old ladies in red hats shouting at jim acosta at a rally boo fake news fake news and jim acosta going up after the rally saying well, you know, Don, I felt like my life was being threatened tonight. It's a dangerous atmosphere at a Donald Trump rally. Lots of old ladies appear to be waving their knitting needles at me, obviously suggesting that they would like to stab me in the eyeballs. It's very, it's a very dangerous time for the media right here in America, in Trump's America. Dangerous, fascist-like chants. And, you know, me as Jim Acosta, I feel like I'm a victim here somehow. So there's none of that. There's no yelling. Who, uh, do I know you from somewhere? Yes, I write for The Guardian. Oh, no, not The Guardian.
anybody but the Guardian, sir. ...to see me, or talk to the Guardian, for that matter. Um, but what I want to do now, I want to kind of gauge the atmosphere in the hall. Is it angry? But I'm not the BBC. getting a bit aggressive. Is it determined? Says it all. Says it all, my friend. It does say it all. Is it something else? That, see, that's a quality shirt right there. If you're going to go to a political rally, make sure to write in black texter on the back of one of your good shirts, Brexit Party for Democracy in bad handwriting and very small font. That's that's going to red pill some folks, I think, on the way to the rally. That's going to change some minds. You know, I was all for the European Union until when I was waiting at a Greg's Bakery, I saw a guy walking across the road with Brexit Party for Democracy written on the back of his white shirt. And this made me rethink my position entirely. <laughs> Owen Jones here, doing an interview with the back of the shirt, holding the microphone up to the shirt, because he's a professional. Is it something else? Hello. Fighting back. There it is, in all its glory. What are you fighting back with? Oh, hello. Hello. To get rid of people like you. To get rid of people like me. What? You can check the back please. What would you like to know? <laughs> What are you fighting back against? To get rid of people like you. You are an obnoxious little creep. <laughs> look, at the look at his face. To be fair to him, he's a good sport to do this. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Owen Jones. Look at his face. <laughs> Me? I'm an obnoxious little creep. Whatever do you mean, darling? I'm just here trying to interview people. Oh, no, no. But he's a pretty good sport for going through with this, I think. Good on him. Don't like him. I think I do think he's an obno uh, pardon me, an obnoxious little prick. But good on him for doing it. Good on him for facing up. Thank what you. would you like to know? Why are you here? I'm voting uh, Brexit. Right. Yeah. And what's it Brexit for you? What we are separated from the European Union, which is no better than Russia. What do you mean was. no better than Russia? Russia that was, was a totalitarian dictatorship. That's what the European Union is. Really? Globalist. Right. Really? Undemocratic yeah. federation. Right. We are not racist. I have I a lot of black friends oh, before you say <laughs> I don't know, but you're probably going to. I have a lot of black friends, you know. <laughs> And we just need, as a country, to be able to make our own laws, our own rules, and be free. Owen, Owen, when the Nigel chant starts up, can we get a shot of you looking, wandering around looking lost? Can we do that? Well, yes, that sounds tremendous. Let's do that. For the atmosphere. The big draw, of course, is Nigel Farage himself. He's about to take to the stage. We've already got people yelling, Farage, Farage. Let's see the reception he's about to get. Nigel Farage. He's a rock star. Can I, can I raise a little gripe here? Can I bring you an Andre Gripel? Now, I don't know. This didn't start with Donald Trump, but Donald Trump has certainly um, used this. And I don't, I don't like it because I think it's tacky and I think it's dumb. But it's happening, so I don't, you know, it's like you've got to get over it. You kind of don't care. What is with politicians using, like, intro music now? Like wrestlers, you know what I mean? Ladies and gentlemen, Nigel Farage. dun 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 dun, dun. Nah, nah, nah. And he walks out like fucking fist pumping, shadow boxing. 
in the blue corner, Nigel Farage. You know, you know what it's like. Have you seen the movie Happy Gilmore? It's like what Happy Gilmore did to golf and turned it into like, come on, let's make some noise. Come on now. What Happy Gilmore did to golf, politicians are now doing to politics. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for fucking Nigel fucking Farage. Woo! And he comes out to like ACDC and shit. I mean, sometimes you have to stand back and go, what the fuck is going on here? Is, is this a political speech? What the hell? <laughs> is this a political speech or is he announcing that he's going to be fighting The Rock for, you know, the Intercontinental ch- Championship? What the hell is happening here? You know what I mean? A high energy. Yeah, I know. See, people like, it's. A, I think it's a very American thing. Like, And that's not an insult. Americans are known around the rest of the world for doing things like way over the top. You know what I mean? But now it's happening in the UK. Now it's happening in Australia. And... We aren't known in the UK and Australia for the big, you know, the pep rallies, the waving and the flags and stuff. We used to look at America and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit over the top. So, but now we're doing it and people love it. Like, yeah, yeah, crank that shit up. <laughs> or house music. It's like, ladies and gentlemen. May I present to you the next Prime Minister of Australia, Boogie Bumper. Woo! Yeah, motherfuckers! We're gonna drain the motherfucking swamp, yo! Put your hands in the air! Cut those taxes like you just don't care! The establishment's gotta go down! Who's voting in September? Right? Bit of those ones. Not sure I'm necessarily a fan. Let's carry on. Wow. You know, we only launched this party five and a half weeks ago. You cannot trust the political class in this country. We must not trust the political class in this country. You get a rapturous response as you'd expect, playing the old tunes against the establishment. I was going to be a bit unkind. This is a funny thing. You can't, you can't, on one hand, say that the words that people like Nigel Farage say are dangerous and hateful and tearing the country apart, yet when you go to a rally and do your commentary, say, oh, it's pretty standard stuff, you know, against the establishment. He's being a little bit unkind. So it's either the most dangerous political speech. Do you remember the story we did last Wednesday, I think it was? on scotastic terrorism the woman who was making a moral argument for milkshaking saying milkshaking even though i don't approve of throwing milkshakes at politicians it's kind of okay because nigel farage is doing linguistic terrorism by making war analogies and whatnot so it's a pretty it's a pretty big call to accuse somebody of essentially being a terrorist because of the way they speak 
And I think it's a dumb thing to say because words are not actions. Words are not violence. No matter how much you want them to be, words are not the same as actions and acts of violence. But they're equating the two things. So on the one hand, they say that Nigel Farage is a linguistic terrorist, that his words are causing harm, that they're causing violence, that they're tearing people apart. And then on the other hand, they say, well, it's all pretty standard. It's, you know, against the establishment. We've heard it all before. Well, which one is it, Owen? Which one is it? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nigel Farage. Yeah! Carry on. He's a Dulwich College educated former city boy who's bankrolled by multimillionaires. Some would argue a little bit on the establishment side. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because he's bankrolled by billionaires and he's a former city boy, they try to do this thing against uh, Tucker Carlson as well. <clears throat> Whenever Tucker Carlson talks about the old guard of big politics in Washington, D.C., you know, the elites, the establishment. And they say, well, why why should Tucker Carlson speak about the elites and the, the political establishment? That's where he comes from. That's his stock. He grew up privileged. To which I say, yes, of course. So he knows exactly what these fucking people are like. Like, you know, if you want an opinion on plumbing, would you go and ask an electrician or would you ask a plumber? So this idea that Nigel Farage must be wrong when he speaks about the establishment and big money in politics because he has money, right? It's so redundant and so ridiculous, but it, it works for idiots where apparently you're only allowed to be against the establishment if you're broke and on welfare and have no money and don't pay any taxes at the same time, you only should vote for the people who want to increase taxes, who live like fucking kings off the back of the blue collars and off the back of the middle class, right? Their subsistence lifestyle of, you know, just extracting tax money out of the, the pay pigs, out of the, the taxation whores in our society, the peasants. You should vote for them because they're, they're real battlers. They're real working class folk. They're real anti-establishment. The people who have been in government for the last four to five decades, who have ignored everything that you've said and done nothing but fill their pockets, fill their boots, and drink on your dime. That's who you should vote for. Anybody else who comes from outside of that, who is against, quote-unquote, the establishment, they should be ignored. Pinochet in the chat says, when Owen goes to the barber, he says, give me the gay version of a Rachel Maddow. <laughs> You're very mean. Yes. Quite similar to Corbyn rallies. It's very good, yeah. yeah. Um, very happy with what we what we heard. Um, it's different opinions, obviously, what you're used to, isn't it? What do you think about it, Ron? <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you, what do you think about it? That's I'm a big fan of it. I mean, I'm American, so I don't like any sort of... Oh, come on. Why Why does there have to be an American at this rally? Owen Jones found the American guy. They're everywhere. The Americans are everywhere. Is this guy colluding? Is this guy colluding? Holy. 
Holy cow. Vincent, bring the camera over here. I've found myself a Yankee. Oh, what do you think? I don't know why Owen Jones now talks like the Queen, but he does, apparently. Hello, American. What do you think about Nigel Farage and the rally? Hmm? Transnational organization. Right. Yeah. So is this kind of the Trumpist kind of thing coming to Britain, do you think? Trumpist. Yeah, well, I, national sovereignty, per, localize government as much as possible, right? Oh, hell yeah. I'll get that on. There it is. What's up? Put this on for the camera. Put this hat on for the camera. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go shoot something. <laughs> I have travelled the world in the like British Merchant Navy uh-huh. and I've seen the problems in other countries. The one thing that this country ah, should have is democracy. That's what this country's all been about. Right. And it's failing rapidly. I've voted Labour all my life, but not anymore. I'm interested to hear why. That why are you disillusioned with Labour? Democracy. It's not just it's not just Sam says I'm very happy the Tory party is um, imploding in the UK. Yeah, I, I tend to mirror that sentiment. I'm not a big fan of the Tory party, not the modern um, version of it. To be fair, I'm not a big fan of the modern version of the Conservative Party here in Australia. I'm not a fan of Conservatives in, in you know, the Conservative Party in Canada. And I'm not a t- tremendously big fan of the GOP, which is kind of why I like Donald Trump, because <laughs> he's like throwing a hand grenade into the party room. But putting all that to one side, it's not just a problem for the Conservative Party. It's not just a problem for the Tory party in the UK. It's also a problem for the Labour Party. Because they've lost, they've lost um, the blue collar workers. They've, they, there are people in the northeast of London who have Margaret Thatch, uh, Thatcher on a dartboard who vote for Nigel Farage now. Same similar thing in in the United States with the Democrats. There are people who have never voted Republican for ten generations who are now voting because of Donald Trump. They're voting Republican, right? And it's blue-collar, middle-class, middle America types. So this is there's also a problem here on the left. The problem for the um, the Tories on the right is in the UK they weren't willing to they weren't willing to go after big business enough. See, that's really the main problem for the Tory party when it comes to the EU and wanting trade deals and stuff. They have the business lobby so far up their ass they can taste the porridge they had for breakfast. And so they don't have the balls to go up against the business lobby. So that's where they left. So it ends up being like a lukewarm, tepid, milk toast, ambiguous. Well, well, we're not sure if we really want to leave without a deal because we must have a deal. We absolutely must have a deal. See, Brett in the chat, 75% of Labour seats are for Brexit. You know, if we're going to do a split of what makes up the Brexit party, UK Neil's probably the best guy to ask, but I suspect he would agree with me. It's somewhere in the realm of the makeup of the people in the Brexit party. Like this woman here said, I've voted Labour all my life. No more. But I suspect it, the makeup would be somewhere around 65% conservative, 35% Labour, 35% lefty. So, you know, not all, the the entirety of the Brexit party is not Tory and vice versa. Let's carry on. But what about democracy? We voted to leave, not half in and half out. What in the name of Jesus are you doing here? I'm here talking to people like you. No, you're not. You're here dribbling as usual. <laughs> yeah, see, there's no need for this. I don't know. Would this guy be the equivalent of a proud boy? 
like he's got the black skivvy, the black hoodie on, and he's he's doing like the the old routine with the hands behind his back, leaning in, like leading with the chin. Now what the bloody hell are you doing here? He sounds like a Bobby. Do you know what a Bobby is? A Bobby is a copper in London. Who like they don't have a gun, they have a baton, and they kind of saunter around the castle. Hello, hello, what's all this then? You know that classic line? You call him Robert to piss him off. Sorry, Robert. What's that? Oh, sorry, Bobby. You preferred Bobby, don't you? Uncle Robert. But he's doing the aggressive thing. So what are you doing? What the bloody hell are you doing here? To leave, not half in and half out. What in the name of Jesus are you doing here? I'm here talking to people. Like no, you're not. You're here dribbling as usual. I'm We're not interested. He's got his mate filming the encounter. He's got his mate filming it. In your dribble, right. in the slightest, okay. you was crying a little while ago when James come up to you and you started crying and ran away. Right. I have messaged you time and time again and you blocked me. Vinny Sullivan, you know exactly oh, I who I, I, I am. I, I no you know exactly who I am, son. Yes, you do. <laughs> Owen's looking around like for the security detail. You know exactly who I am. Vinny Sullivan. Now everybody knows who you are, Vinny. Good job. Uh, but <laughs> I'm going to follow. I'm going to find Vinny Sullivan on Twitter and fucking follow this guy. He seems like a barrel of laughs. He's like, you know exactly who I am. You know exactly who I am. Come on, son. Don't be daft. <laughs> you blocked me on Twitter. Like, do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's happening? We've got we've got candidates coming out to rock star wrestler you know, introductions, walking down a gangway with models on each arm. In the blue corner. Coming out to ACDC. And then our political discussions out the front of these rallies are about who blocked who on Twitter. I mean, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? you got to step back sometimes and say, really? This is where we're at? This is the, This is what's happening? This is insane. Right, so, so what's the matter with you, son? What's the matter with you, son? Still when I'm talking to you, What are you doing here? I'm here talking to people. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're here to dribble. I'm here to dribble. What's your actual incentive? Who's paying your wages? What are you doing here? I work for the Guardian. Let's go speak to Do you want Nigel Farage to be Prime Minister? I would love someone who loves our country the way that that man loves his country. Because we have a traitor as a Prime Minister, and she said... No, I don't think it's dangerous language, Owen. Why would it be? It's just quite an inflammatory way to talk about something. It's a time uh, to get inflammatory. It is time to get inflammatory. Why did Theresa May is a traitor? She said 104 times that we would leave the European Union, and she has failed. Failed spectacularly. She's weak. She's pathetic. I thought when she made her speech outside Dining Street, she would actually stand up for this country and take us out of the EU. But she failed. Is the Brexit party here to stay? Of course it is. So you've gone away. Mate, what does that mean, gone away? What do you mean, gone away? Guardian class, the whole political class. What, you would have shot the Guardian down? Well, absolutely. Why do you think so many of the younger people wanted to stay in? Why, what makes you Well, they've been indoctrinated by the education system. You know, yes. you go to schools these days, they are propaganda camps for Labour. Yes. That's yes. all they are. In what my, teachers, my teachers constantly spouse left-wing propaganda. In my secondary school, they did it a lot. They would trash Brexit for practically no reason. They'd, they'd... Good on him for showing the young guys, though. Good on him for showing the kids. Anybody who isn't an ideological nitwit would tell you that it makes sense that the schools and the education system are full of people who 
uh, you know, at least, at least sentimentally aligned with left-wing politics. Why? Because which kind of people go into those jobs? Lefties, right? The, the jobs like that are are designed for people with left-wing views, people who want to spend money on public education, go to university. You know, teaching is a very difficult thing to do. I'm not saying anything else. I'm not saying anything otherwise. And I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, people with conservative views, but they would be vastly outnumbered. And then teachers would say, well, it doesn't matter what your political views are. You're supposed to teach X, Y, and Z, and that's the problem. But we, we all know the reality. It all comes in the grey area. It's all in the subtext. So if a teacher is a very, very hard left winger, and I've had plenty of teachers that fall into this category, when they present you with a historical text, they will frame it in a certain way, right? Like, say, colonialism, for example, or, you know, the British Empire 200 years ago. If your teacher is a, an avowed lefty, then they are going to present that piece of history in a very particular light. And it's going to be awful and demeaning and it's not there's not going to be any positive in it at all. When everybody who's sane and rational knows that there is positive and negative in history, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or bad. Things that happened 200 years ago, right? You can't change it. So... You know, what's good for one group of people might be bad for another group of people. And that's arguably what civilization is. When two cultures come up against each other, when they rub up against each other, sometimes one culture gets eviscerated and wiped off the face of the earth. But that's humanity. That's that's the history of humankind in our world. It doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, all white people are evil now, right? But if you have a, a teacher with a particular ideological bent then they are going to present things today in a certain way to their students and their students are very impressionable so it just makes sense to me that most teachers are you know kind of lefty now that doesn't mean that all teachers would go out of their way to make their lefty views known to their students but some of them of course do and to say otherwise i think is just plainly absurd when you look at the people who are graduating from teaching colleges, it's pretty obvious that most of them are of a particular political persuasion. So good on them for at least talking to the young guys here. Because if I'm telling you, if I'm the producer for this little um, this little video and Owen does an interview with kids talking about how they're getting left-wing propaganda at school and they're wearing Brexit shirts, I would not put that in the video. Like if I was being specifically... You know, if if I was trying desperately to portray this Brexit crowd in a certain light, I would not show the students and I would not show their comments about left-wing propaganda in the school. So, tip of the hat for that, at least. Like it found its way in there. Good on him. Still label Brexiteers as racist, despite knowing the Brexiteers are What do your kind of fellow students say when you're quite involved in all this stuff? You get, what, kicked out of the friendship group, you get slagged off constantly, you get called oh, racist, yeah. Oh, yeah. despite whatever... So you lost a lot of friends over the whole You wouldn't see many youth like us coming here. This is, we're, not, we're not a majority. Why, why, though? Why do you think, why, why do you think that is? Because they, 
because they've been indoctrinated into this false sense of belief that the EU is some sort of like saviour to the UK. So, so tomorrow when you go into school and you say, people go, what did you get up to last night? And you said, I went to a Brexit party rally. What do you think most of them would say? A majority would be quite negative towards it, but that's, again, I said to the indoctrination that's been put on them. Exactly. On both sides, I will blame Leave as much as I'll blame Remain. The language has become appalling. And I think that part of the reason that young people are voting for the Brexit party and, you know, are also exploring other avenues is because people... (laughs) (laughs) That was fantastic. You have to be quick there. Somebody behind Owen said, like, in a very polite English way, Owen, would you like a milkshake? Of course, referring to the fact that various public figures in politics in the UK are getting milkshakes thrown at them now. (laughs) You look at the shock on his face. What? (laughs) You know, are also exploring other avenues is because people... (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Owen, hey, Owen, would you like a milkshake? What the... What? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> ah, there you have it. Owen Jones meets Brexiteers. Oh, well, let's let's hear the end of what this guy's got to say. <laughs> oh, hello. Uh, I was bracing that. And I really think that people like myself and Phoebe want to see it change. And we want to go back to reasonable debates on, you know, economics, on policy, on legislation. Gee, that guy sounds like my spirit animal. Who would have who thought? Who would have thunk it? The problem is um, we're not going to go back to those kind of debates anytime soon. Not as long as one group of people are calling the others Nazis and fascists and racists and evil. And not as long as the other side are calling the other side whatever they are. So, you know, shit happens, right? Maybe we really do need a cleansing. Maybe we really do need a purge. It's like, okay, now we've just got all the reasonable people back again. Of course, that would never be the case. Um, do you want to do stuff on Muller? <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I was going to play a little bit of Muller. I was going to play a little bit of Nancy Pelosi. I don't know if I've got the stomach for it, to be honest. I kind of just want to have a laugh. There'll be there'll be plenty of time for people to argue about Russia. I'm kind of sick of the whole Russia thing. I don't know about you. I mean, Jerry Nadler put out a tweet before. And he's like, well, this gives us the green light to increase our investigation into the Russia camper. <laughs> so I quoted Jerry and I tweeted back at him. If you if you push ahead with impeachment, then 70 plus purple districts with very small margins are going to be at risk in 2020. So you're probably going to lose the house if you do this. Because winning winning elections is not about ideology and it's not even about morals. It's about mathematics. It's about how many votes do you need? What is the margin? How many potential voters do you have? What are the demographics? Where do people vote? What are they motivated to vote on? And calculating all of these numbers to spit out a result at the end. That's what it's about. And somebody, somebody, you know, got, you know, got in touch with me and said, well, how can you say it's not about morals? And, you know, that's... I'm, I'm a very moral person. People voted for Donald Trump because of morals. I'm like, yeah, okay, fair enough. But just look at the numbers here. Less than half of the voting population actually voted. And less than half of that amount of voters voted for Donald Trump. 
Now, even in, in a best case scenario, just say 100% of the people that voted for Donald Trump voted for morality reasons and morality issues, you're still talking about less than half of the people who voted, which is less than half of the potential voters. So what do you think is more important? Your particular outlook when it comes to moral things, which may be good, don't get me wrong. Like you may be a very moral person, you might have very moral reasons for doing what you do. But what's more important, that or the fact that, you know, 80,000 people in Pennsylvania and the other blue wall states switch their vote from Democrat to Republican. Which, which do you think is more important for getting Donald Trump in the White House? The answer is obvious. It's a numbers game. It's mathematics. And you can have all the ideology and the morality that you want, but that's not going to win you elections. And if you can't win elections, then you can't do the moral thing. So you have to win first before you can make changes. So, you know, you can have your morality and you can have your ideology and you can have your outlook on the world, but that's that's not going to get you in the White House. That's not going to win you an election. That's not going to get you a majority. What gets you a majority is numbers, mathematics, and how many votes you need in particular places and what the margins are to overturn particular seats and flip them from their side to your side. Taking one away from the opposition gives you one, right? So this was CNN, ladies and gentlemen. CNN doing a little bit of forecasting. This is before Robert Mueller's statement, which was very drab and very milk toast, and was like a nervous child asking, can we go home now? As we see this news just breaking now, I'd like to ask you what you would want to hear from the special counsel now. What, what you would you like him to address in this public statement? What, what do Americans deserve to hear from him in this public statement now? Well, Jim, um, first of all, let me say I'm disappointed that he's not going to take questions mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's the only way to get sort of at what's behind that report. Um, I <laughs> just, doubt read, just read the fucking thing. Just read it. That's how you get to the bottom of the report. You read it. Well, I think we need to ask questions. I think asking questions is the only way to get to the bottom of the Mueller report. What do you fucking mean? Just fucking go online now, download it, and read the fucking thing. He explains his reasoning in the report. I'm so sick of this garbage. But again, can we throw this into the whole the whole bastardization of politics? So we've got po politicians coming out to ACDC. We've got reporters talking about who they did or didn't block on Twitter out the front of political rallies. And now we have things like this on CNN. This is akin to um, people on Wednesday night on ESPN giving their tips for the weekend, right? So let's go to Bob now. Bob's got a hot tip on Kansas City in the upcoming NFL game. What do you think, Bob? Well, I think I think Kansas have done a lot of work in the offseason. What I think the American people, what I think the Kansas people want to see from the coach of Kansas City is, you know, they want to see a statement. They want to see their team come out and make a statement, and I hope he takes questions after the game because that's going that's the only way to gonna get to the bottom of some of these postseason moves that the Kansas City Chiefs have been making, Bob. Tremendous. Let's go to Oakland now. Let's go to the Raiders, Coach. Coach, what do you think is going to happen in the upcoming game on this weekend? Well, you know, there's a lot of discussion going back and forth. I think what the American people want to see, you know, to... <laughs> like, who cares what these people think? Honestly. Who cares what these people think 
Bob Mueller should or should not say. Who cares what they think the hot tip is? These people live in an entitled bubble. And in that entitled bubble, they seldom interact with people outside of the entitled bubble. And, you know, I said this to a couple of friends earlier this morning that this is why the pundit class gets things so wrong. <laughs> Someone's like, I knew your Australian accent was fake. <laughs> That's my generic American. I don't know where he comes from. Sounds like a little bit of California there, Bob. I'm not sure. Is that California? You tell me. But this is why the pundit class gets things so wrong. If you spend every single day of your life deeply engrossed in one particular topic, right? And you're just thinking about that one topic, you're analysing that one topic, you're breaking down that one topic, you're learning about that one topic. This is all you concern yourself with, day in, day out, 24 hours a day. You wake up thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it. This is the only thing on your mind. You dream about this particular topic, whatever it is. So you're eating, sleeping, shitting, breathing this one topic, then you're going to, your mind plays tricks on you and you're creating a cognitive environment for yourself where you think that this one particular topic is the most important thing that's happening. You think this is the only show in town because you're deeply ensconced and engrossed in it constantly. But the reality is outside of that, it probably doesn't matter to most people. And so when you're in Washington or when you're in the press or when you're in Canberra or when you're in London and you're covering Westminster, the intricacies and the nuances of the little back and forths about policy and arguments and who's saying what and who said what and who's writing what and what's in what bill and what investigation's happening and what subpoenas being issued and what's being invested and Russia and Mueller, if you're living and breathing that 24 hours a day, you think that this is the most important thing that's going on in the world. But when outside of that, I don't think it really matters to most people. Most people wouldn't even care. Most people do not care. And this is why the pundit class get so many things so wrong so often when they make predictions. Because they're intently focused on one particular topic and all information feeds into that one particular topic and then feeds out of it which means you're not able to then assess information from outside the realm of that particular understanding. Does that make sense? So, you know, why the hell are we listening to these people? Who cares what they think? Oh, it's all about Russia. It's all about Mueller, the investigation. People are going to get subpoenaed. They're going to court, da-da-da-da-da. But, out, you know, a few blocks away where the guys are doing construction work or where, you know, somebody's doing plumbing or somebody's working in a bank, do they really care about this? Do they even know what you're talking about? That's not going to win elections. ...much that a statement without questions is going to clarify some of the unanswered questions or some of the lines of inquiry that need to be pursued. I find it dis disappointing that this public statement is going to be issued from the Department of Justice. That suggests to me that it's orchestrated by the Attorney General and his... <laughs> this guy sounds drunk for a start. <laughs> so what, Robert Mueller is now working for the... like? Well, he was working for the Attorney General. Let's put that to one side. That, that was actually legitimately happening. He was working for the Attorney General. But 
I'm disappointed that this is coming from the Department of Justice because that suggests to be that it's orchestrated by the Attorney General. So what, behind the curtain where Robert Mueller is making the speech, William Barr's there with like a, a laser sight on the back of his head. Like, say, say that it's over, Bob, 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 say that it's over. Say that if you testify, you're only going to say, Mr. Mueller, what happened to your hand? Oh, I, I ran into a doorknob. Bob Muller and like Robert <laughs> William Barr off the side of the stage is doing like the cutthroat thing. <laughs> Shut it. <laughs> Ridiculous. Complete ridiculousness. Fantasy. Uh, this was tweeted out by Huff Poe earlier today. President Donald Trump is now trying to defend himself after he called presidential candidate Joe Biden a low IQ individual. Well, Kim Jong-un made a statement that Joe Biden is a low IQ individual. He probably is, based on his record. Uh, I think I agree with him on that. If the American people want a president to add to our division, lead with a clenched fist, a closed hand, a hard heart, uh. to demonize your opponent, to spew hatred, they don't need me. They've got President Donald Trump. Joe Biden's going to be an epic fucking disaster if he if he wins the nomination. And I know he's leading all the opinion polls, but the couple of Democrats I've spoken to do not want Joe Biden. They want someone better than Joe. But, I mean, look at the, the flowery, you know, the flowery rhetorical prose here. Lead with a clenched fist, a closed hand, and a hard heart. It's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's poetry. This is this is political poetry. So again, that's another thing we can throw onto the pile. Politicians walking out to ACDC. Political discussions from journalists talking about who blocked whom. And poetry. Political candidates using poetry as some kind of, you know, hard-hitting analysis of the, of the president. And the forecasting, the sports radio-style forecasting of what Robert Mueller might say in a fucking address. Well, I think he's really disappointing, Bob. You know what I mean? It's garbage. It's all garbage. To demonize your opponent, to spew hatred. They don't need me. They've got President Donald Trump. The battle between Donald Trump and Joe Biden is more heated than ever. Can I just give a big wag of the finger to people who make thin crust pizzas? Sorry, not a fan. Is that a New York thing? The thin pizza? I like a deep dish. I like a nice, big, thick piece of dough. Let's settle this once and for all in the chat. Press 1 if you like thin pizza, and press 2 if you like really thick, doughy pizza. I can't... I, I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I suspect that thin pizza is New York and thick pizza is Chicago. Is that right? So you tell me if I'm right or wrong. And I know the Italians of Chicago think that they're real Italians as compared to the Italians of New York who suspect that they're real Italians and vice versa. Like the Italians of either city think that they're the real Italians. This is the dumbest thing you've ever said. <laughs> I knew it was going to be controversial. One, one, two, two, two. Yeah, Ben's two. Oh, I think the twos have it. Oh, look at this. It's a wall of two. One, you insane Aussie cowboy. Three, hand-tossed. Yeah, but it's got to be thick or thin, though. Ones, ones. Oh, the ones are coming back. Thin and crispy. Ooh, It's pretty split. 
I, I think the twos might just have it. <laughs> Chicago pizza is just breaded lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got to be thick and it's got to be thick with well-made homemade dough so you can really taste it and it, it can't be overcooked if anything the dough has to be like just slightly undercooked so it still tastes really doughy you know what i mean it can't be crispy it's got to be just just before it's done take it out that's the perfect pizza dough in my opinion in my humble opinion Kim Jong-un made a statement that Joe Biden is a low IQ individual. He probably is, based on his record. Uh, I think I agree with him on that. Now Trump is making excuses. I was actually sticking up for Sleepy Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe Biden while on foreign soil. Kim Jong-un called him a low IQ idiot and many other things, whereas I related the quote of Chairman Kim to a much softer, low IQ individual who could possibly be upset with that. <laughs> I, was, I was sticking up for Joe. Kim, Kim Jong-un said that he's a low IQ idiot. I said he's a low IQ individual. What the hell is your problem? <laughs> I was sticking up for Joe Biden. <laughs> That's tremendous work there <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. Let's rock and roll to the end. Woman who married a 300-year-old pirate ghost needed exorcism after violent breakup. <laughs> now this is the real news. This is what you've been waiting for. Enough of that Russia shit. Amanda Teague, 47, says she was married to a Haitian pirate called Jack who died in the 1700s after being executed for thieving on the high seas. There's the happy couple. <laughs> a woman who claims she married a 300-year-old ghost of a pirate has told how he nearly killed her after she broke off the relationship. Amanda Teague was forced to undergo an exorcism after she says her former soulmate turned nasty and possessed her. How dare he! You know, it's one of these things. You never really know somebody. You know, when you're dating, it all seems great. I'm dating this Haitian pirate ghost named Jack. Everything's going well. He met the family. We had meatloaf. He was lovely. But then after we got married, he changed. He changed. And he became something that, you know, was dangerous. And I guess, you know, you learn from your mistakes. You never really know what people are like until you get in that situation. So I guess, you know, next time I, next time I, I'm not just going to give my heart away to any pirate. You know, I have to learn. This is a growing moment for me. In 2016, she claimed to have married a Haitian pirate called Jack, who died in the 1700s after being executed for thieving on the high seas. But she says her union left her hospitalized after claiming she discovered that her husband was not all he made himself out to be. There's the lovely, lo lovely lady. I can't imagine why she needs to focus on the Haitian dead Haitian pirates. I mean, she's quite the catch, as far as I'm concerned. She said... After two weeks of marriage, I started to get health problems. Started to. <laughs> yeah. 
I was married to a to the ghost of a Haitian pirate for two weeks, and then I started to notice that I was having some health issues. Just then. Oh, okay. It's interesting. <laughs> There's somebody dressed up as Jack. I started I started to get reoccurring perennial abscesses and I was suffering from cirrhosis. About four or five months in, when things started to go really downhill, I went back to some of the people that had communicated with Jack. I know the symptoms of possession and part of it is ill health. So I was concerned that it was to do with the relationship because of the timeline, but I was assured that he was a lovely spirit who wouldn't harm me. But after her dog Toby died, Amanda said she spotted a major red flag about the relationship. <laughs> I feel like she's missing a whole lot of red flags before she gets to the red flags that she actually notices. Like I was married to a, a dead pirate, a dead, the dead Haitian pirate named Jack for a couple of weeks and everything was going swimmingly. And then my dog died. And then I started to notice changes. She said, I knew his passing was imminent and I'd asked Jack to keep him until it was my time so we'd all be together. But Toby wouldn't go to Jack. He was incredibly aggressive and wouldn't go near him. In the end, he... <laughs> this fucking crazy woman is sitting there in a room trying to get the dog go to somebody who's not standing there. Go and stand next to Jack. Toby, Toby, here, boy. Toby, 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 look at me. Toby, sit, sit. Now go and stand next to Jack so I can get a photo. And the poor dog's looking up at her like, oh, oh, oh. like, what the fuck are you asking me to do? Go over there and stand next to my husband, Jack. Do it now. I don't understand. Toby doesn't like Jack. She, he won't go and stand next to Jack. Can you imagine this poor fucking dog walking around the room and sitting like, is, is he here? Is Jack, am I next to Jack now? No, Toby, you idiot. He's over on the other side of the room. <laughs> I don't know. I've tried everything. Toby will not go and stand next to Jack. He must be afraid of him. This indicates to me that Toby is afraid because Jack is an evil spirit. In the end, he had to go to my mother because he didn't want to be near him. Animals are quite intuitive about people, so this was a big red flag for me. Like, the, the animal... Maybe the animal didn't want to be near this fucking crazy woman. <laughs> Maybe he's like, can you please drop me off at Grandma's? <laughs> I mean, she wants me to stand next to people I can't see, next to ghosts. Come on, Toby. Drop me off at Grandma's for fuck's sake. There she is, the lovely girl. But Amanda of Downpatrick, Northern Ireland, says that whilst the couple moved on from the incident, her health began to get worse. She said... I was getting abscesses recurring all the time after Jack and I would have any and after Jack and I would have any sexual relationship. It was something in the back of my mind. I had I never had these before I was with Jack. She never had sexual she never had sexually transmitted disease until she had sex with a dead ghost. Isn't that interesting? Once I stopped having sexual contact with Jack, the abscesses started to improve. And I'd say that was literally the best three weeks I had since we got married. So anyway, one night a friend of mine got married and her spiritual partner and Jack and I ended up being intimate. <laughs> so she's got a friend who's also married to a ghost. So here you have uh, two ladies, two friends, two lady friends together on a bed, you know... 
doing whatever ladies on beds do with each other when they're having a foursome and two ghosts, apparently. <laughs> no, we're not gay. I'm not a lesbian. It was an orgy. <laughs> it seems like it seems like a very roundabout excuse for lesbianism, doesn't it? If you want to have lesbian sex, that's fine. But why do you have to bring the undead into it? Why does Jack have to be here? <laughs> Pinochet says, what did she expect? He's a pirate. The very next day, the abscesses were back with a vengeance. So then I started to get really concerned. She, there's, there's the lovely young lady out on a night with Jack. You can see Jack's there standing next to her. Toby's absent. He hates Jack. She said, I almost died and I was in hospital for a week. I had to take my wedding ring off when I went into surgery. That must have cut the energy link between us because I felt totally different after the operation. I reconnected with my own spiritual team and I really saw a pattern about my health. She has she doesn't have she doesn't have one spiritual expert. She doesn't have one person who's looking into a, you know, a glass ball. She doesn't have one tarot card reader. She doesn't have one person interpreting the stars for her benefit and telling her what color is lucky and whether or not she should go for that new job. She has a team. A team of spiritual advisors telling her which dead pirates she should sleep with and why she's contracting STDs when she has lesbianic sex with another one who shares a ghost life partner. To get the real news. I really saw alarm bells. He had obviously been blocking my communication with my spiritual team. So I could see very, very clearly that he had been stealing my energy. Well, he is a fucking thief. I can just see mum and dad sitting back now going, I told you so. I knew that there was something wrong with that Jack fella. I knew there was something wrong with him. All right, let's do one more. One more for the night, and then I'll bid you adieu. Ladies and gentlemen, Dayton, Ohio weatherman fires back at Bachelorette fans, angry at tornado interruptions, but he say he says he may have saved lives. This is arguably testament. This is the perfect example of how stupid people have become. Who's seen that movie Wall-E, you know, with the little robot? And then at the end of the movie, when he gets sucked up into the mothership, uh, humanity are basically morbidly obese, flying around on little scooters. They have a television screen in front of them constantly, and they don't do anything. Like, they just watch TV all day and scoot around and eat hamburgers and shit. We are very fastly approaching that situation. Actually, one more story. One more before we get to that one. Walking humanoid delivery robot is the next step for online shopping. Let's have a look. Look at that. So the robot comes out of a self-driving car. We are so fucked. We are so fucked. The human-like robot can carry 40-pound packages and walk upstairs. Stay off the grass, you metal bastard! The autonomous car helps Digit find the best path to the front door. Wow. Amazon has been testing its own delivery bot called Scout. I don't know, in some neighbourhoods, don't you think you would just see that thing getting shot up as it drove past? People just shooting the delivery scout. <laughs> like this, this situation, this scenario exists on a pretense that everybody is just going to let the delivery robots roam around and do whatever they like and not touch them. 
So you're going to have to put some kind of self-defense mechanism on these robots. You know what I mean? They're going to have to have some kind of laser-guided ammunition or something to prevent people from stealing the delivery, right? I mean, how hard would it be to take down one of these delivery robots as they are now? So what we're going to have to do is arm the delivery robots up, give them like a nice big AK built into their arm or something. Otherwise, otherwise, how can we ensure it's going to get there on time every time? We can't. But yeah, we are so fucked. There you have it. So if you're a delivery guy, look out. Ford is stealing your job with a headless robot that walks all over your freshly mowed lawn. Coming to a dystopian nightmare near you. All right, let's get back to our weatherman. Fox 45 meteorologist Jamie Simpson began receiving angry comments on social media for interruptions, interruptions during The Bachelorette. At the time, the area was under a tornado watch as well as several tornado warnings. So people are watching The Bachelorette and the local news comes in and says, hey, there's a fucking tornado on its way. Maybe you should consider packing up the car and getting the fuck out of Dodge. And so what happens? The people watching The Bachelorette like, oh my God, it's this weather guy again. Can you please get off the TV? We're trying to see who gets the last rose. You inconsiderate prick. What the hell is your problem? What are you, some kind of attention whore? The beautiful part about this is the people who would complain about the tornado warnings are the very same people who would be interviewed by the journalists the next day after their house gets taken to fucking Wisconsin. Right? <sighs> Along with the cow and the, and the family car gets washed into the ocean the very same people on the news the next day would be going the government needs to do more to warn us about these things we had no idea you know they didn't say how serious it was going to be let's see what this guy says we have viewers complaining already just go back to the show no we're not going back to the show folks this is a dangerous situation okay <laughs> it's nice right think about that this was your neighborhood i'm sick and tired of people complaining about this our job here is to keep people safe and that's what we're going to do some of you complain that this is all about my ego stop okay, just stop right now it's not i'm, st I'm done with you people i really am this is pathetic that's Chief Meteorologist. Oh, I love this guy. I love this guy. I'm done with you people. This is pathetic. I want you to all die in a tornado. How about that? Fuck the whole lot of you. <laughs> yes. One more time. Okay. It's nice, right? Think about that. This was your neighborhood. I'm sick and tired of people complaining about this. Our job here is to keep people safe, and that is what we're going to do. Some of you complain that this is all about my ego. Stop. Okay, just stop right now. It's not. I'm, st I'm done with you people. I really am. This is pathetic. That's Chief Meteorologist James Simpson. He's See, how, how do you deal with such stupid people where you're trying to give them a warning? Hey, get the fuck out of your house. There's a tornado on the way. Shut up. I'm watching TV. The only situation where I can foresee a natural disaster being trumped by entertainment would be if you were listening to, say, Fergo and the League Freak podcast on a Wednesday night during the State of Origin. That would be the only time that you can do it. Every other every other thing, the Bachelorette, whatever, it's time to get the fuck out of the house if there's a tornado on the way. People complaining to him on social media. <laughs> 
over at WHIO Monday night. He was covering a really nasty, violent tornado that was confirmed on the ground, moving through the North Dayton suburbs, and there was loss of life, okay? This was a serious situation. Look at some of the damage here. Now, I've been in local news before. Ah, I've dealt with nothing. the situation where you're on the air. For the podcast listeners, you can't say, uh, it looks like a whole fucking town has been wiped out. There's nothing left except foundations and rubble and cement and stuff. But it's like, nah, it's nothing. It's nothing. That'll, that'll buff right out. You're covering tornadoes, and people are upset that you're cutting into their show. Last night it was The Bachelorette, right? So, listen, usually I try to side with the viewers. If it's a small town, if it's a little spin-up, and we don't know whether there's a tornado on the ground, fine. Run a crawl, I say. Keep everybody happy. But in this situation, there was a tornado emergency, guys. There was legitimately a tornado on the ground, and Jamie and his crew, along with... (laughs) He's trying to tell. He's trying to tell people. He's trying to tell people who don't have enough self-preservation even to save their own skin, even to save their own lives in the case of a natural disaster. He's trying to explain to them that this was perhaps more important than the Bachelorette and attacking our weather guy isn't going to keep you alive. Like he's saying, this was a real disaster. You know, at some point, I think Darwinism has to kick in. At some point, you have to say, "Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna complain about cutting the Bachelorette in order to bring you information that may save your fucking life, then I'm sorry, you're probably better off dead." Sorry, sue me. Who cares? Like, why why are we collectively as a society keeping these people alive in the first place? Do you know what I mean? What could they possibly contribute to society that we couldn't get from someone else? What are they possibly giving us that we can't get from someone else? Ratings on The Bachelorette? That's it? That's your contribution? There's a tornado on the way. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. There you have it. So if you wondered why politics is in a bad way, uh, remember, these people vote. These people vote. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for another day. I don't think I'll be able to get on tomorrow. If I if I can, I will, but I probably won't because there's a lot of things going on here. Uh, just a quick reminder, please follow our friends. The best 15, 20-minute down, data downloads on the interwebs at Real Person, P-L-T-C-S. Don't forget the preacher man, Chris Mack, at ChrisMC44. Um, don't forget, too, my, my buddy at the starting block, Greeno. We do a show every Wednesday morning. I think it's Wednesday morning at about 5.30 a.m. It's a lot of fun. Fergo on the League Freak. And of course, um, and just another little shout out too for um, Mersh on Nightwave Radio. He's not on tonight, but the stuff they've been doing lately on Revenge of the Sis, I have been losing my shit, laughing hysterically every single day. So if you haven't seen that show yet, Revenge of the Sis, you should check it out. They do great stuff. And I'm hoping to speak to Mersh at some point in the near future, get him on for a little chat, but we'll see how that goes very busy guy more busy he actually has a he actually he actually does this properly and and does it real like every single day as opposed to me who can barely scrape two days together back to back but hopefully we get a chance to speak um if you'd like to become a supporter of the show please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper and thanks so much to the supporters your contributions are always welcome and appreciated if you would like to become a subscriber to the podcast, just hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, 
if you would like to chase me out of my house during the Bachelorette with threats of a severe storm warning, you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. I think UK Neil might be having a little chat after we're done here. I saw he was on before. Sorry to cut into you, Neil. I was running late and I was like, oh, I've got to go. Sorry, bro. But UK Neil's a good follow too to keep up with Brexit. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. everyone. See you next time. Thanks, Tracy. marry a dead pirate now remember if you get stood up by a dead pirate thanks general eaton thanks monica if you get stood up by a dead pirate next time you see them say i'm so sorry i couldn't make it that dead pirate will be all over you like flies on shit and you'll then contract an std thanks sandra all right guys until next time have fun. Bye-bye.